This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, September 21st, 2022 edition, and today is Fed Day. We're going to dig into that news, which certainly moved the markets, uh, but we are in the final couple of weeks of the third quarter, which means the final stretch of the year is fast approaching. And I believe today is the first day of fall and only seven trading days remaining in the quarter as we roll in to that final quarter. And the big question is your portfolio balance is it optimized and I'll do my best to help you with those tasks. I am Justin Klein. I look forward to this hour with you answering your finance and investment questions. And the phone number you'll always want to remember is 888-99-CHART. That's how you reach out to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Or if you're listening live, we love the live calls as well, four to five Pacific time each and every weekday. Now I've got a packed podcast for you today. My focus point concerns the story behind this headline. Three things to expect heading into the next stage of the housing market downturn. We know that higher rates affect the more interest rate sensitive parts of the market and nothing is more impactful to our economy uh, or our financial lives for most people than the housing market. That's the the most uh, rate sensitive. So we're gonna look at that story. Also, a silver lining to higher inflation is that your tax bill next year will probably be adjusted lower, all things being equal. And there'll be some changes to uh, deductions as well as contribution limits for things like IRAs, 401ks, etc. So we're going to look at that. Also, the energy situation across the globe, uh, there's a Western alliance when it comes to trying to share energy resources now that we're really in the midst of uh, this kind of multipolar world. You see that with Russia mobilizing troops. And really, this is um, a trend that's probably not going to reverse, but we're going to look at where that partnership or that alliance lies today. And then lastly, a very interesting comment from the head of uh, of the Danish pension fund, uh, uh, Denmark's largest pension fund, basically saying that private equity is borderline borderline a pyramid scheme. So we're going to look at his comments and how that might apply to that sector as a whole, because I do know a lot of people have gained exposure to the private equity space. And in this new higher inflationary world, you are going to want to watch out for this because this is probably where the most leverage, most risk in the markets currently lie. So those are things that are on my mind, but ultimately, this is about you. I want to know what was on your mind. And we have some voice bank questions lined up as well on Telefex, as well as banks manipulation of silver. All about that. So that'll be interesting. 
So I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk, and of course, I'll take your calls live at 888 chart Now let's take a look at the market today. We had the S&P down about 66 points, about a percent and a half, and it was Fed day, and the Fed raised rates by 75 basis points. And per usual, that is never, should never be what you focus on, because the market had priced in over an 80% chance of a 75 basis point hike, which the Fed doesn't like to surprise the markets, and that's what they got. It's more about what they expected for the balance of the year and into next year. And what's interesting here is that the there's about a 63% chance of a 75 basis point hike in November, and that's slightly up from from yesterday, which was that 60%. So slightly more hawkish, uh, but it did kind of take off the other tail, which is a 100 basis point hike. Um, so overall, it was kind of neutral for uh, November. Uh, and then December, we are now expecting a 61% chance of a four and a quarter to four and a half percent Fed funds rate, which would be another 75 basis points on top of 75 basis points in November. And that is definitely higher than where we were in uh, yesterday. So uh, the terminal rate they expect for the end of the year is 4.4, right in that 4.25 to 5, 4.5 range. Now, certainly that could change. And that was really the the hope that the, the market put on the Fed comments, which was, hey, um, we're going to be data dependent and it's probably appropriate beginning of next year to pause and see how these rate hikes, which they would consider at 4.4% to be somewhat restrictive. And I certainly agree with that. Uh, and then how does that impact the economy as a whole? Where, where is, where is uh, inflation going into the beginning of the next year? And a lot of that has to do with base effects, certainly going to moderate, but uh, do we continue to see slight accelerations in inflation like we saw last month? Or do we get something more like July where inflation came down and uh, that we're going to still depend on uh, incoming data? Uh, we're going to probably see five, six percent inflation in the first quarter of next year. Uh, if it's closer to five, I think that's more of a Fed pause. If it's closer to six, I think the Fed keeps keeps a foot on the gas. So that was the that was the, the market today. Definitely, uh, you had a rally on some hope of a pivot, uh, and then after the Fed meeting, the market sold off again. But what was interesting, uh, I watched was gold. Gold actually was up today, and typically that's the most sensitive to uh, rates. And it it was kind of one of those. Hey, it was up on bad news, right? A little bit more hawkish Fed, and it was up. So that was of note. And then also the ten year. The tenure actually fell today about six basis points, and it was up about six basis points before, right after the Fed announcement. So a pretty big reversal. Really, you saw the movement in the short end of the yield curve, and the long end sold off, meaning uh, rates fell. And that means the yield curve became even, even uh, more inverted and was uh, an indication uh, that, hey, the Fed has gone too far. And I think the Fed's going to continue to watch those uh those markers and the the Fed gave that signal or say the market gave the Fed that signal today. So remember these are 
events that usually take about three days for the market to settle out, just like big earnings announcements usually takes three month, three days for the market to, to settle out. I think you're going to see the same thing here as we go into uh, the end of the week and then the final week of the quarter. Now, let's get our first listener question now at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I have a question about a company called One Main Holding, ticker symbol OMF. It recently got into my buy range, but I was just wondering what you guys thought of the company. Thank you so much for what you do and have a great day. All right, this is One Main Holdings. It's one of the largest non-prime consumer finance companies in the United States. Now, remember that, non-prime, meaning subprime, basically subprime. And it's lending to installment loans and it did very well during the, the boom times and when the government was giving people a lot of money and you had a tight labor market. And now you don't have the government giving people a ton of money, but you do have a tight labor market, but it is slowly weakening and the market is pricing uh, that in. Uh, now, it has gone down pretty dramatically, down 45% from its high, uh, but it is in terrible technical position. I see no reason why this is going to turn around anytime soon, especially with the economic backdrop. The MACD looks pretty terrible. Let me zoom out to a monthly chart here. Uh, I'm trying to find a support level. Yeah, it is getting to some around 31. Now it's at 3270. That's some support. But the speed that this is dropping at isn't telling me that this is going to reverse anytime soon. Now there could be some sort of capitulation volume uh, and reversal that that comes aboard and and gives you a signal there, but it's just not not there yet. So uh, I don't like the trend of uh, the economy for this type of name, and I don't like the chart at all. So just because it's down doesn't mean it can't go down further, and I expect it to. So I would absolutely pass on one main holdings. OMF is the symbol. Now this is Invest Talk. We are very happy to hear your caller questions that come in via our voice bank recordings, but. We also love, uh, or it's worth mentioning that for listeners that want a bit more interaction for their questions, real-time calls are the bread and butter of this show. So you can call live during our four to five Pacific time hour, and our number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? 
Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Now, my focus point concerns the story behind this headline. Three things to expect heading into the next stage of the housing market downturn. Now, we all know that higher interest rates will be a drag on the economy in general, but it's most impactful on rate-sensitive sectors like real estate, and you've seen that as of late. Now, back in June, the the U.S. housing market was in the early innings of a slowdown. But you're starting to see that morph into the second stage uh, beyond just slowing housing activity, meaning uh, less transactions, and now into falling home prices. Now, that definitely depends on what market you're talking about. But the longer rates, mortgage rates stay north of 6%, the longer and faster that reset mode will be in effect. Now, in March, Zillow predicted that there would be another 17.8% jump in home prices in the next year. Obviously, they have been very, very wrong. And among the 148 regions of the market, 98 of them have seen home values fall from their 2022 peak. And just 50 markets remain right at that peak. In 11 markets... 11 markets in total have fallen over 5% from that peak. San Francisco itself, which I've been talking about, is probably the area that I'm most bearish on from a housing perspective, down 8.2%. Now, peak to trough, Moody's thinks that U.S. home prices will fall about 5% overall. And in some significantly overvalued markets, think of the coastal areas uh, where the median price is north of $600,000, those will probably see more of a 5 to 10% drop. And if we have a recession, those estimates could double. Okay, And I kind of agree. I think we're going to see a reset back to more like 2017-18 prices on real estate more broadly. Now, every piece of real estate is a little bit different. Every city and region is a little bit different. Uh, but I'm talking more broadly because we haven't seen these rates for north, north of a decade uh, now. Incomes are higher than they were uh, back the last time we saw these rates. Uh, But you're talking about affordability. You're going to need to see a decline in prices close to that level. Okay. Now, that's prices. And frankly, that's healthy. It's it's, it's, back in 04, 05, you saw housing prices go up 20, 25% per year and incomes going up 2 or 3% a year. That is not sustainable in any way, shape, or form not possible to do that over an extended period of time. And same thing happened kind of post pandemic incomes were going up, but prices were going up much, much faster. And now you're starting to see that uh, that reversion to the mean. And that's a lot of what this is. Now, this is going to spread to other parts of the broader market. And frankly, that's what the Fed wants, right? People that buy homes, they buy refrigerators, uh, they buy uh, lumber to do re, uh, you know, they, they do. They take money out to do uh, remodels that where they buy new paint and windows and lumber, etc. All this will help rein in inflation. That's what the Fed wants. Um, but what's most interesting here is the third phase, which is sellers are actually slowing down. So active listings on Realtor.com jumped 107,000 in May, but last month in August, only 31,900 new 
in new, new uh, homes on market. So a lot of this has to do with people are locked into these low 3% rates and they don't want to move. And that's going to keep inventory limited. Now we're heading into a break. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors. And I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. We're going to head up to the Bay Area and talk to Jacob looking at. EWCO, the Invesco S&P 500 Equal Weight Communication Services ETF. You own it, Jacob, or looking to buy it? Uh, yeah, I own it in my 403 and uh, 457. And I was think, just calling to see what you think about adding some. I have a, some money in cash, and I just feel like this sector just been beat up so bad. Um, I'm just wondering if you think it's kind of a buy and set it, forget it kind of thing in one of those long-term accounts. And what you think of the sector as a whole? Uh, well, I don't like the sector as a whole, uh, just because it. This, for example, this top holding is Netflix. Uh, I think that they're going to continue uh, lower as their multiple uh, contract, and people realize that they don't dominate the streaming world anymore, and they're they spend way too much money for the uh, amount they get out of uh, their content. So that's one thing weighing this down, and then. You know, you have Twitter with its struggles, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. Uh, obviously, they're pretty competitive. Uh, you know, we like uh, some of them. Um, but then you have Activision Blizzard, which is going to be uh, Microsoft. So that'll probably be gone. Uh, Paramount Global, uh, you know, Comcast, they're having they're struggling with uh, weaker advertising revenue and things like that. So, you know, uh, the technicals here are absolutely atrocious. Uh, and it's not something that I would be adding to now. I like that it's equal weight. It's not weighted towards those uh, bigger names. Uh, but that's about the only thing I like of it, uh, like about it. So not a name I'd be adding to. Thanks for the call. All right, thanks. No problem. Now let's touch a bit on inflation and your tax bill. And one good thing that our government has done is they've indexed a lot of the tax limits, tax thresholds to inflation. And that means many workers will actually get bigger net paychecks in January because their deductions and their tax brackets will go up. And single taxpayers with $100,000 of adjusted gross income could likely see a savings about $500 compared to what they were paying this year, okay? And there are other things besides those uh, th those tax brackets anchored to inflation. Now, one is the estate and gift tax. That's going to go up by nearly $2 million more. Uh, and there are various formulas that are somewhat similar to the CPI, but often pretty different. So for example, the IRS uses what's called chained consumer price index as opposed to just the normal CPI. And the average chain CPI from September 2021, which is really when inflation started to tick up considerably, to August of 2022, which is that was kind of the peak in inflation. So that's used to calculate the adjustments for next year. 
but they'll be announced in October or November. Probably my guess is November. Uh, but a few things will change. The top tax bracket will go up about 50,000 per year. So for married couples, about six, up to 693,000. Uh, individuals, 578,000. And other tax bracket breakpoints will also rise by about 7% from this year compared to 3% last year. And that'll be the largest increase in the past 35 years. And other things like social security uh, withholdings uh, will, will, will increase, or, or sorry, benefits will go up about 8.7%, most likely, that's the estimate. But social security wage-based tax, which means you know, at what level do you continue to pay social security tax on uh, up until that's going to go from up 140 to 140 from 147 excuse me to 155,000 so that's probably the biggest negative but the standard deduction for married couples is expected to be 27,700 up from 25,900 this year for individuals from 295 20, sorry 12,950 this year to 13,850 next year that's the expectation now the Federal estate tax exclusion will also go up by nearly a million dollars. So married couples will now be able to shelter instead of 24 million, nearly 26 million. The annual limit on tax-free gifts is expected to go from 16,000 to 17,000. And what's most important for most of you is contribution limits to retirement accounts. So IRAs will likely go to 6,500 from 6,000 this year. That's been stuck at 6,000 since 2019. And the catch-up contribution, or sorry, excuse me, the health care uh, HSA, excuse me, that will go from 2850 to 3050 in 2023. So up a couple hundred bucks there. And on the 401k side, actuaries are expecting the limits on 401k contributions to go from 20,500 to 22,500, so a $2,000 increase. And then catch-up contributions, if you're over 50, Will rise from 6,500 to 7,500. So if you're over 50, you're going to be able to contribute nearly $30,000 in your 401k. And also for those in the lower income, child tax credit will also likely go up. So a lot of changes coming to the tax code next year because of this inflation, the inflation trends. So a little bright side on that front. All right, now the next Invest Talk story behind this question. Is the I-bond yield worth your attention? September's inflation resurgence failed to benefit I-bonds, which typically profit from higher prices. That story we'll get to tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, and ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it. Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. 
First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. It's been another Investor Wednesday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility. And you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Hope you guys are doing well. I have a question about company Teleflex Incorporated, TFX. Just wondering what you guys think of the company and what a good entry point is. Thank you for your help. Take care. All right. Looking at Teleflex Incorporated, and this is in the medical consumable space, shall we call it. And uh, this is a company that is pretty consistent, uh, but growth is certainly slowing. Revenue was down 1% year over year. Earnings were up 1% year over year last quarter. Earnings expect to fall 2% this year and back up or seeing up 8% next year, but those expectations are falling as well. Now, TFX, what do they do? They manufacture of hospital supplies and medical devices primarily in the bloodstream, vascular, and surgical areas. So 25% is vascular access, uh, 15% interventional, 14% anesthesia, 30% surgical, and 12% urology. And so fairly well diversified, but think of your um, the, the things that are plastic in the, uh, in the hospital, uh, such as catheters and things like that. 
So that's where their business is pretty consistent. Uh, but what's interesting here is uh, the price has been on a steady decline. And I think I'll do with the multiples being really too high, $10 billion market cap. If you look at the price to sales ratio, it's about 3.6, which is, you know, not cheap, but not super expensive. Enterprise value about 13 and a half, which is definitely near its longer term uh, low. Uh, but the question is really about growth, right? Growth has certainly stalled and you're getting multiple contraction in a higher interest environment. These, these things happen. Now, the question is, where is the major support? And it is coming up on it at $196, but the technicals are absolutely atrocious and makes me think it's going to slice right through that. Maybe get to the 100, uh, 200 month moving average which is right around $158. Uh, our value is right around that level, 160. Uh, so I think that's maybe where it starts getting interesting. Um, but I wouldn't buy it right now. It's technicals are just way too poor. It's relative strength is 19. And while it's trading about 19 multiple or 16 multiple, excuse me, which is a little bit below the market or kind of right at the market, it's growing less than the market. And so that's why I would be patient on it. Uh, 195-ish is the first level, like I said, and then 160. Those are the next two support levels. Now let's make it two callers in a row on InvestNock at 888.99 chart. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Art from Tucson. I am interested in your thoughts on silver. I own uh, both SLV, SIVR, and um, some coins. Interested in what you think about inflation and the strong dollar and how those are influencing this market. And I'm really interested in what you think about the potential manipulation of this market. You don't have to go too far on YouTube to find a whole slew of videos that suggest that the large banks of the world are manipulating the silver market through massive short positions while also accumulating the physical metal in record volumes. And the bottom line being, this could be uh, set up for a huge short squeeze. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Is this just internet conspiracy garbage? Or is there some uh, validity to this accusation or claim? Uh, yeah, well, I'll listen on the podcast. And uh, yeah, really interested in what you have to say about those things. Thank you. All right, great, great question. And like most, I don't want to call it conspiracy, but like most controversial, let's say controversial uh, topics that are discussed on YouTube elsewhere, uh, what is most often what I found is there's definitely a kernel of truth, uh, but often it's what is not discussed that is helpful to give the whole picture. Uh, and that's on a lot of cases, on a lot of topics is, you know, it sounds interesting, it sounds exciting, it sounds exhilarating and, and, and interesting, uh, but they leave out both sides of the argument. And I think there's, I think that's something everybody needs to understand whenever they're watching, especially watching YouTube videos, because there's always a narrative. It's kind of like a, a documentary. If you ever watch a documentary, it usually has one kind of message uh, and one way they want the, the viewer to think about that particular topic. Same thing with those type of videos. Uh, so the silver market, is there some manipulation? Absolutely. Uh, there's manipulation in the markets uh, across so from equities to uh, bonds, etc. Uh, and on a short term basis. Uh, 
everywhere. Um, but that doesn't mean that the market longer term doesn't function well. Uh, so I wouldn't go too far down that rabbit hole. Let's just say that. But when it comes to silver and gold, that's what's interesting here is I talked about that at the top that gold was up today on a more hawkish Fed. At least the headlines will, will tell you that and the equity market movements will tell you that. Uh, but gold was up and silver was up as well, nearly 2%. And silver actually had a really good week last week, had a big sharp move up and has really been consolidating that move since. So I'm starting to sniff out here a lot of, uh, and I think the, 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 the precious metal market is sniffing out the Fed pivot. It's going to move beforehand. It's going to really tell you about that, that pivot. Uh, and I'm starting to see a, some traction here. Now it's kind of looks, seems like first innings and maybe it's a false start, but I, I do think uh, this is a good time uh, to get long uh, that space after the sentiment is definitely completely washed out. Now, summer is over. The holidays or the autumn holidays will be coming up fast and keep in mind that summer may have ended, but market volatility clearly has not. And the volatility means you need to pay attention, update your strategies and be abreast of what's happening in the market. And so I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial in Irvine, California. It's where we practice parallel investing and we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, which means we abide by our same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment offer via telephone or go to meeting. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial office at 800-557-5461. Just take a few minutes and we can hone in on what you're doing right with your portfolio, what you're doing wrong with your portfolio, and how to optimize it best for your particular goals and your risk tolerance levels. And that's what is vital. That's what's most important. It's not about what your cousin is doing. It's not about what your friend is doing. It's not about what you read on a Reddit board. It's about you and your particular situation. That's what these reviews are designed to do is help you understand whether your strategy is working well in your particular situation. So I encourage you once again to reach out through investtalk.com. Just send me a message. All right, now let's touch a little bit on the Western West's Energy Alliance and EU leaders currently are working on emergency intervention to try to clamp down on sky high energy prices, especially in Europe, and that's impacting European industries and consumers. And these moves are a huge tests for Europe and the United States, where winter is approaching, right? This is the first day of the fall, and that means just three months away is the first day of, uh, of, of winter. And Putin just mobilized troops and certainly uh, isn't uh, backing down on his push towards Ukraine. And so the big question is, how will the Western West Alliance handle continually high prices into the winter? And European leaders, they're trying, they're going to try to remain steadfast in their push against uh, Putin. But for now, the coalition has remained intact. And even though energy prices are up, but there's some worrying signs that if energy prices continue to push higher, and there are more shortages, it could, uh, there, there could be walls put up around exports to protect consumers 
at home. And this could exacerbate the global energy crisis. So, for example, U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm sent a letter to the nation's refineries saying, hey, we have historically low gasoline inventories and diesel inventories in many parts of the country. And you have hurricane season coming up and uh, winter heating season. And these low inventories pose a risk to consumers and businesses. And she said, it's our hope that companies will proactively address this need. If not, if that is not the case, the administration will need to consider additional federal requirements or other emergency measures. That's that's how the letter concludes. And so basically, this is saying that, hey, they might restrict exports of some of these supplies. And it's not just about Europe needing the supplies. It is about other parts of the country. For example, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont, that group of governors wrote to the Biden administration urging them to ease the Jones Act shipping restrictions, which makes it all which would make it all uh, which that that restriction makes it impossible to send LNG liquid natural gas from the Gulf Coast where a lot of that natural gas is and the export facilities are to the northeast during the winter. And they also want to uh, they want to tap the region's strategic stockpile of heating oil as well. So they're trying to make some changes so that first off, we aren't suffering here in the U.S. No matter what region you're talking about, you know, not suffering dramatically at least. Uh, and then if it does, you know, what does that mean for Europe and our exports to Europe? Because the, the administration has put forward a huge plan, domestic plan, to fuel Europe with U.S. LNG supply. And I could easily see that being cut off if the political winds, you know, push a certain way. Now, the price of a BTU of natural gas, top $10 per million BTU last week. That's the first time since 2008. And so this is something that you need to keep an eye on. Because this could create another bout of, of problems over in Europe that will help some companies that have access to cheap U.S. natural gas and will hurt some that are benefiting from higher natural gas prices being exported abroad. So make sure you're aware of those risks. Now, uh, gasoline prices, they've steadily come down, but starting to, that, that decline is starting to level off. And that's another worry as well. So all of these things are something to keep an eye on as we head into the winter. Now, remember, our listeners and our callers set the agenda on each podcast, and you represent the questions, and Steve and I provide the unbiased answers. So let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank at 888 chart. Hey, uh, I think water will be a bigger issue in the next years or decades. So I'm thinking to buy this stock for a long-term investment, XYL. Can I have your thoughts? Thank you so much. Bye. All right, XYL. How do you how do you say this? XYLEM Xylem. Maybe that's how you pronounce it. It's a global leader in water technology and offers a wide range of solutions, including the transport transport treatment, testing, and efficiency use of water for customers in utilities, industrial, commercial, and residential sectors. About a sixteen billion dollar market cap, so fairly large, consistent business. 
Ooh, the problem is that it's trading at a pretty high multiple here. Let me see this. Enterprise value to EBITDA is 23. Ooh, that makes me a bit queasy. Let me look at a chart here. Yeah, I'm going to give this a no, mainly based on that multiple. Even based on next year's earnings, you're talking about a 31 times multiple. Revenue is growing 1%. I like the business. I like the profitability. You look at the long-term return on equity. Now it's at 13%, which is solid. Uh, averages closer to 15% long-term, which is good. Something, you know, a nice level I like to see. I like the consistency and, and necess necessity of their business. But I just can't pay, let's see, 23 times enterprise value to EBITDA. It, at half of this, it would be questionable. Half that, 11 or 12, that would be, you know, kind of in the ballpark. Now it's probably double that. You know, our value is just simply much lower than this, around 50, 60 bucks. And now it's at 93. So I like what you're looking at. I like that you're looking at water and companies that service the water industry. Uh, but I just can't imagine this being able to grow into this level of uh, multiple. And so that's why I would pass on XYL, but I keep it on my watch list. It gets cheap enough. I put an alert, you know, in our systems, we put an alert, gets below 60 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that. Then it would, uh, you know, it's, it's something to think about. But at these prices, now trading at $98, just can't do it. Sorry, $93, still can't do it. Now, remember our listeners and our callers set the agenda. Oh, excuse me. When people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast, podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to get to their question quickly. So let's talk to Puma51 says, I have a follow-up question. I know you say don't keep your money in the market if you want to use it for a down payment. As of now, I'm torn on taking my money out for possible housing purchase in 2023 or 24 or keeping it in there for the long term. Any advice for me? Yeah, I, I would look for opportunities to sell into any rallies. If you have equity, if you're equity exposure, for example, that's what it sounds like you're talking about. Uh, it, there will be rallies over the next probably six to nine months. And I would use those to slowly sell into and 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 get cash uh, for that home purchase. Uh, because I do think probably 2024, not 2023, but 2024, they're probably a pretty good time to to buy a house as we, uh, you know, the, the market slowly adjusts to the higher rates. Uh, but uh, I would definitely try to get more liquid if you're looking to use that money for a down payment in the next two years. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do that right now at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin, and thanks for what you do. So I know that you would never do this, but let's just say that you invested in a few speculative companies that are down 90%. Is that something that you would just cash out on and move on? Or would you call it a sunk cost and wait 
for a possible rebound. Obviously, I'm not going to give you a specific company and make you do the you know research on the metrics and the and the earnings ratios and whatnot. Let's just suffice it to say that the fact that they're down 90% is not good. But in general, when it's down that bad, do you even bother taking the loss? Love for your opinion. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, the first thing you have to understand is just because a company was trading at a certain level at some point doesn't mean that they're going to get back there. Uh, plenty of companies have had huge gains and then they never sniff those levels ever. And some get bought out for much less or uh, meander at very, very low prices or eventually go bankrupt. So don't think you're going to get back to even. Uh, but there are also been companies that have gone down 90% value and, you know, the market was wrong on them and they turned around and, you know, quadruple, tripled, you know, had incredible, uh, runs from there as well. Uh, especially, you know, post 2000, uh, during the, the first tech wreck, uh, plenty of the babies were thrown out the bathwater. So that's what you have to assess is why is this coming down 90%? Is there some sort of value still in the business? Is it bad management uh, or did this company never really have a business in the first place? Meaning, yeah, they had revenue growth or they were they were making sales, but uh, their business was not cash flow positive. They weren't making money and uh, they they weren't they weren't able to sustain uh, themselves. And now they're just issuing shares to uh, finance the a negative earning business. You know, I think of Peloton is a perfect example. Right, great story and did very well during the pandemic, at least the stock price, but the business never turned a profit. And that's why it's down over 90% from its highs because if you can't turn a profit in that environment, when can you turn a profit? And so you really have to do you know, a, an assessment there. Uh, and, and sometimes it just makes sense, hey, look, I was wrong on this. Uh, there was this great story, but look at the history of the business. It's, never really done much. And that means likely never do, do much in the future, despite the, the story. Okay. Uh, and then the next consideration is taxes, obviously in taxable account, it's a lot easier uh, to take that loss and, and offset your, your gains elsewhere. Um, so it's really a one off basis, you can't blanket anything. Uh, like I said, some things down 90% never recover, others recover dramatically and do very, very well. So it's really a case by case basis. Thanks for the call. Now, last thing I want to touch on a comment from a top executive at Denmark's largest pension fund. He is the CIO, the chief investment officer at ATP. And he warned that buyout groups or private equity groups are increasingly selling companies to themselves and to peers that he says is not good for business. And he's concerned because last year, more than 80% of sales of portfolio companies by private equity funds that ATP had invested in were either to another buyout group or were continuation fund deals, meaning they sold from one private equity fund within the same group to another, right? This, some private equity firm, fund, firms, they have multiple funds and they pass it back to each other and they can pass it back between each other at whatever price they want. And oftentimes what happens is uh, even if they're, they're, they're trading with another private equity fund, they're saying, Oh, I'll give you my bad deal for your bad deal. And they both are at inflated prices, and it makes everything look good. But what he says is, quote, this is not good business, right? This is the start of potentially, I'm saying potentially a pyramid scheme, everybody's selling to each other, banks are lending against it. These are the concerns I've been sharing. 
end quote. So ATP is a major investor. They invest in 147 different private equity funds and about $119 billion under management. So he's very well versed in this space. And that's what he's saying, that parts of it are looking like a pyramid scheme in a way. And so they're already cutting down the number of private equity groups it's committing money to. And he's saying very carefully at the IRRs that they're, they're touting. And so, you know, if you, mostly the wealthier individuals, they're getting pitched these by Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch and, you know, the big uh, investment firms. And these are private deals and they're very liquid. And this is probably the worst place to invest right now is are in these private deals. So uh, private equity deals. So uh, if you're looking for a place to avoid, this is absolutely top of the list. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads and our official Invest Talk download count now exceeds 45.3 million. Thanks to you. Get your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.